Welcome to The Meeting Room, a place to gather and discuss all things relating to meat safety, quality, and production. Welcome to The Meeting Room. My name is Brianna Boozman, and this week we're going to talk about some of the top news stories and give a little bit of an update within the meat industry. So, in the last week in the United States, approximately 658,000 cattle were harvested, producing nearly 553 million pounds of beef. Of those, 10% graded prime, 74% graded choice, and 12% graded select nationwide. And to me, it gets really interesting breaking down some of these quality grades into different regions within the United States. And these, we can see a lot of differences based on the type of cattle that are raised in these different locations, um, based on the environment, the weather, um, handling facilities, feedstuff availability. All of those things can have a big impact on uh, what the grades look like. So looking specifically in Nebraska, about 13% of the cattle harvested in the last week graded prime. And Nebraska is known to be a leader in terms of quality grading. And a big part of that is um, the availability of high-quality feeds. Um, the type of cattle that are raised here, they, they uh, do well in this environment. Even though we do have a week where it's really cold here, they still can end up doing pretty well on the rail. Um, in Kansas, that number for prime cattle dropped down to 7% and even further down in Texas to only 4%. Um, A big part of that, again, is feed availability as well as type of cattle um, that are being raised in different regions. Um, Again, looking at choice grades, Nebraska had 76% that graded choice, Kansas at 77%, and Texas at 67%. And then dropping down into the selects, Nebraska had 6%, Kansas 12% and Texas 25%. And some of you may have been doing the math as I went along and know that those don't all add up to 100%. There is another category, um, and that can include things like uh, no rolls, which can be um, older cattle that um, show signs of maturity and so they don't go through the grading process. Um, It is not required for quality grade to be assigned to cattle. That is a voluntary thing that is paid for by the plants and is done for marketing purposes. So if there's issues in terms of the maturity for cattle, which would drop it down into a lower quality grade, if there's any bruising or blood splash or uh, misshapes kind of in the the ribeyes, things like that, that can make them not as visually appealing, still perfectly safe to eat, perfectly safe to consume, but it's just going to impact how they're sold. So maybe instead of going to a steakhouse where you can pick out the steak you want to purchase, it may go into something like food service that, again, is is great to eat, but just doesn't have that bright, immediate purchase visual appeal as some of those higher quality grades. So looking a little bit further, though, into those grades, um, a difference in grade equals a difference in price. So this week, uh, choice beef carcasses sold for $222.81 per hundredweight. So what that means is that for every 100 pounds of a choice carcass, uh, that 100 pounds is worth $222. Another way of saying this is that it's worth $2.22 per pound. 
And this is based on grid numbers. So it's looking specifically um, at carcass data. So cattle can be sold either on a live basis where it's just basically simply by weight of the animal um, or they can be sold on the grid, which actually takes into account their carcass characteristics. So how good of quality they are, how good of a yield grade they have, that sort of thing. So typically those with a better yield grade are going to be worth uh, more money. So looking specifically at the choice carcasses, they were selling for uh, the 2.22 and 81 cents per hundredweight. Selects were selling for 214 dollars and 60 cents per hundredweight. So um, it's only about an eight cent difference in the spread. So the choice select spread um, differences in price per pound between the two. Uh, but those numbers can really add up and. Um, I've done presentations in the past where I'll kind of break down these different numbers and do some examples of different value with them. And there's times that that spread between them can get really, really big and can have a huge impact on price. There's different things that can impact it, different market attributes. Um, one thing, a, a very easy thing to point out right now is it is still kind of winter, early springtime. Um, right now on a Sunday after church, more than likely you're putting a roast in compared to throwing those high value steaks on the grill. And so more than likely right now, we're actually seeing some more value driven to those lower value cuts. So things like your roasts, um, where we don't care as much about if they are really good quality compared to in the summer, we often see that spread widen some because there's a higher demand for those high-quality products. Uh, likely, if you're going to buy steaks at the store, you're going to go for something that's high-choice versus something that is select. And so typically then we um, can see some things widen, and there's multiple, multiple, multiple other factors that can influence those prices, um, but that's a pretty simple one to see and understand right now. So when comparing the two, if you were to use, say, a 840-pound carcass, for your example, a yield grade 3, which is pretty average, um, yield grade is what is an estimate of how much of the boneless, closely trimmed retail cuts we can get from a carcass, that's measured on a 1 to 5 scale, with 1 being the best, meaning that we're going to get a lot of product from that carcass, it's really heavy muscled, um, really trim in terms of its fat, a five means that it's really fat, um, really light muscled. I compare a one to a bodybuilder that you see at the gym, really low body fat. A five is somebody who's let themselves go. Um, and a three, where is average, kind of normal, is like a dad bod. Decent amount of muscle, but still plenty of fat cover to go along with it. So using that as an example, if we have a 840 pound yield grade three choice carcass, um, looking at that $222.81 per hundredweight, that carcass is going to be worth about $1,870, while an 840-pound yield grade 3 select carcass is going to be worth about $1,803. It ends up being a pretty decent gap between the two. Um, definitely seen this spread before, but if you start thinking about this in terms of big numbers and actually the number of head that are going through um, every day and every week, those numbers can really add up. 
So thinking specifically about the about 658,000 head that were harvested this week, based on those grade breakdowns that were talked about before, about 500,000 of those cattle graded choice. And so if we average that 840 pounds per carcass, which actually is pretty light, um, I want to say the report actually from last week was closer to about 960 pounds for steers. Um, But again, that's something that can range. We're just going to stick with 840 pounds because that's a little bit easier of an example. But if we averaged 840 pounds for the carcass, those choice cattle alone were worth around $936 million. And that doesn't even take into account the choice cattle that qualify for a box beef program like certified Angus beef and certified Hereford beef. Within the choice quality grade, there's actually three divisions. So there's low choice, average choice, and high choice. If you see something at the grocery store that is just marked as USDA choice, likely it falls within that low choice category. If you see something at the grocery store that's labeled certified Angus beef, certified Hereford beef, certified something, more than likely it's in the upper two-thirds choice, which means that it's average choice or high choice. That's typically kind of our benchmark for uh, quality to be able to fall into those certified programs. And just getting into one of those certified box beef programs can add about an extra five cents per pound for that entire carcass. So again, that is something that can really add up if they can fall into that um, certified program. And last week, um, approximately 32% of the carcasses that graded choice were in the average or high choice category. So that would qualify them for that um, certified program and adding a lot of value uh, to that product. Again, the certified mark doesn't have anything to do with safety or anything like that. It's used for marketing and it's a sign of um, really a higher quality uh, product that um, has to meet standards in terms of quality as well as other carcass characteristics in terms of um, muscling, um, amount of fat cover, age of the animal, and then some of the live characteristics as well, such as hide color, breed, that sort of thing. Looking on the select side, about 39,500 carcasses fell within the select quality grade, and those alone would be worth about $74 million dollars. And I'll also note that a 840-pound carcass, like I said, is is a pretty light estimate. Typically, those we're actually seeing going higher. Um, And again, that's something that can kind of range in time of year as well as location. And so no matter how you look at it, these numbers quickly add up. And they do change every day. And so it's something I really enjoy kind of following and watching and Um, knowing that there is some flexibility to it. And so if it's something that you are interested in looking at more, if you look up the USDA Beef Carcass Price Equivalent Index, it will come up with a sheet that every day is updated um, with some of these dollars and cent breakdowns. So in addition to the cattle harvest, nearly 2.4 million hogs were harvested this week and produced about 525 million pounds of pork, and another 32,000 sheep were harvested, producing about 2.1 million pounds of lamb. 
And if you've gotten to know me at all, you know that um, I'm a big supporter of lamb and that I don't think it's something that we consume enough of in the United States. Um, In my opinion, it's one of the more slept on uh, animal proteins. And I highly recommend eating lamb if you have not tried it before. Besides just looking at carcass numbers, there were some good news stories this week. In 2021, Brazil's Marfrig Global Foods, the parent company of National Beef, reported a 31.5% increase in net profit, which was up $849.7 million. Their net revenue for the year was about $11.6 billion, which was up about 23% in 2020. According to Meeting Place, two cases of avian influenza were reported in a pullet operation in a broiler flock in Delaware and Maryland. The birds on both properties will be depopulated and none of the products from the animals will go into food production. So far, 12 states have reported cases in commercial backyard flocks, with even more cases being identified in wild birds. These cases have impacted over 2.8 million commercially grown birds in the United States. Poultry is a huge component of not only the diet here in the United States, but also worldwide. And so seeing these kinds of cases um, can have a huge impact, not only on kind of the pricing and that sort of thing, but also the the food availability. Um, fortunately, poultry is a pretty short turnaround time in terms of growth, but when it's impacting those pullet facilities um, and that sort of thing, it can can have a huge impact. So uh, really thinking about also those those people who have been impacted uh, by avian influenza as well. A local processor in California announced that he plans to open a small facility that will have a net zero emission. This $5.3 million facility that is a 30,000 square foot building was purchased with the intent of retrofitting it to meet the processor's needs, as well as including solar panels in the design. Uh, The story that I read about this really didn't include much in terms of what he's actually going to do to try to meet that zero emissions. Um, Using things like solar panels may be an option in terms of um, energy and that sort of thing to the plant in California. I hope that with solar panels that that would work. But it will be interesting to hear what plans are in terms of using water, um, using or having enough energy for um, keeping coolers cold, keeping product cold, as well as just the um, amount of resources that go into running the plant um, will be really interesting to see how uh, those plans take shape. So two gene-edited lines of cattle have been passed to go into food production. Though genetically edited products from goats, salmon, chicken, rabbits, and pigs have been approved for consumption, this is the first one to come in on the cattle side. Um, This is something that also is kind of an interesting thing to see. It sounds like it's going to be about two years before any of these products would make it to market and a relatively small number of them. But will be interesting to see in the next few years how some of these genetic modifications um, will be used, as well as um, how accepted they will become in terms of food production. 
1,630 pounds of jerky products are currently being recalled due to listeria concerns. The products were produced by Boyd Specialties in California, and though there have not been any confirmed cases on the products, routine testing did confirm that the recall was necessary. I'm not going to lie. I know it's not something that you really need to be worried about, but listeria is a fear that I have um, because it is a kind of a, a silent sickness causer um, and it's something that always makes me a little bit leery. So if you have any jerky came coming from Boyd Specialties, be sure to toss that package. We've been hearing a lot, I feel like, the past few years on the chicken wars at every fast food place. Every fast food place is getting a chicken sandwich and adding it to their battle. Um, but this time, the war is taking a little bit different shape and it's coming in the form of a snack bar. So K2 Ventures will be distributing tender chicken bars to Sprouts Farmers Markets. And though the snack industry is actually a really pretty big part of the meat industry, 90% of that share comes from beef options. And these chicken snacks will sell for about $2.99 per bar. Not necessarily something I think that I would be drawn to, Beef jerky is something that we like because it's something that's been here and it tastes great. And one of the things that we know about chicken is that you can really uh, play with the flavors and kind of give it any flavor that you want. And so there's really no reason that um, it shouldn't be successful in terms of a snack stick. In addition to uh, these chicken products, Lando Frost in Illinois now has a turkey bite snack stick and... Um, There's also some poultry chips that are available out there. So could be pretty interesting to see if this form of the poultry battle uh, gains any traction. Last but not least, the USDA Food Safety Inspection Service has lifted its mandate for employees and processing plants to wear masks when inspectors are present. So for a long time, Even if communities and such lifted their mask mandate, if there was a meat inspector on site, everybody at that site had to wear a mask. Um, This was actually the first week that I have been in a processing plant in about the two years um, and have not had to wear a mask. Um, I was told that at some of them they're going to keep different dividers up on the floor and that sort of thing. That's also good, though, just to give people a little bit of space, not even so much just from a mitigation uh, standard, but has become practice now in those plants. Uh, But it sure was nice to be able to go into those packing plants today, uh, be able to say hello to people, um, and to be able to hear folks, because it's pretty loud in there. And so when you've got a mask on, it makes it even more difficult. But that is a wrap-up on what is happening in the meat industry Uh, Thank you so much for joining me this week and be sure to follow the Meeting Room Pod on Facebook and Instagram uh, to get more updates um, as they come available. So thank you for joining me this week in the Meeting Room and I look forward to visiting with you again soon. The views, information, or opinions expressed in the meeting room are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent those of their employers, including the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and others.